if someone says their opinion, you can launch into a two minute tirade about why they're wrong and you can start a whole debate or you can just ask a simple, concise question that really gets to the bottom of it. And it's not always going to be successful. I mean, some family members are too far gone, of course, but it's a slow process of deprogramming the cult. All right. Adam Mockler, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be on here today. I've been really looking forward to this conversation for the last couple of weeks. Uh, I think you've been doing some amazing things uh, for not just the progressive movement, but specifically all the young people out there that are on the fence about how they're going to vote in this election. Uh, I think everything you're doing right now is uh, super important, and, and I don't think you could have came along at a better time. Uh, I look at what you're doing as being a little bit like uh, Luke Beasley. Um, Jordan Klepper does a little bit of something like that, too, but... Each of you kind of does things in a different way. What would you say kind of sets you apart from all of those guys? Yeah. So first of all, thank you for the kind words, of course. And I think watching those other people was part of the reason that I got into this. I've always liked what Jordan Klepper did. And I think the Good Liars and Walter Masterson are really good at what they do. But I thought instead of taking like a comedic approach, instead of coming at it as a comedian, what if I came at it and just tried to find middle ground with these people and try to, I don't know, treat them more like humans who I can find a common interest with, as opposed to just trying to get an easy gotcha moment. And those easy gotcha moments are absolutely hilarious. I do some of them every once in a while, but I found it also to be fun to just talk to a woman who needs healthcare and explain to her, try to get through to her and say, Hey, like, one side is actually substantially better when it comes to healthcare or talking to Amer an America first person who doesn't support Ukraine and explaining how supporting Ukraine is putting America first. So I think just trying to change some minds, trying to find some common ground, trying to humanize some of these people is what I'm trying to do. And some, some of the other people do that. I know Jordan Klepper also humanizes people in his work. Um, but yeah, I take a more a less comedic approach. I love Jordan. Like I said, I kind of got started on his channel by watching Jordan videos. And, uh, you know, that was a, a different time, in my opinion. I think that when we look at what Jordan was doing back then, uh, we were able to have a little bit of a more of a comedic approach to things. I think that we looked at uh, the the interviews he was having as being a little bit uh, less common, you know, that, that the attitude was more of a, a fringe attitude. And I think that we've seen some real extreme polarization since those times. And, you know, specifically due to the pandemic, I think that uh, people's mentalities have, have really changed in that area. And it's, it's really great to see a person as young as you are that's uh, as involved in trying to do something as positive. Because even from my part, I have a really hard time. I, I, I try to do my best to have conversations with people that are actually like, positive and have good outcomes but you know we tend to get to a point where people start to say things that are a little bit out of this world and uh you know and on occasions sometimes kind of aggressive and for you it seems like you really come with like a a lot of information it seems like you're well researched it seems that you show an, an enormous amount of patience with these people and i'd even say that you you seem to have a lot of empathy for these people and i think I wish I could even have that kind of patience at my age. It's been, it's been tough to have these conversations without, you know, losing my patience with people and, and overreacting to some of the things that they say. 
What I always say is that it's a lot easier to have these conversations with strangers and to be really empathetic to strangers rather than people I know personally, because I also get really heated when like, if I have a cousin who supports Trump, we'll get heated about it. And it's probably because I expect better than them or better from them. Right. I expect them to think about things a little bit deeper. So I think it is really rough when friends and family support Trump. I still, if I see a friend from high school support a Trump thing, I get a little bit pissed off. But if I'm talking to some random stranger who's just obviously been misled, then it's like easier to have a one-on-one conversation with them. So I definitely empathize with not being able to stay calm if you have a family member that supports Trump. Yeah, and I've got a couple. (laughs) Don't we all? And yeah. (laughs) What I say, it's like it's not even about changing their mind over one dinner. It's about just making sure they're interacting with these fact patterns, just planting these seeds of doubt over time. Like it's not even worth getting in a heated talk, but just ask a question that could plant a seed of doubt. Like if someone says something about Michelle Obama being a man, just plant that seed of doubt. Like she has two children or whatever, you know, like these are common things that are said. Um, yeah, I think yeah. I, I heard uh, it was, uh, I believe, David Pakman. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, one of my subscribers was uh, a call in on his show and he asked him uh, this question, you know, what do you feel is the best way to reach Trump supporters, which you're kind of answering there, uh, you know, and, and specifically when it's like a family member, this was around, you know, Thanksgiving or Christmas or the holidays. And he was saying, with all this going on, you're going to be in touch with people that maybe you don't see all the time, uh, people that, you know, maybe you're not fully aware of all of their political opinions. And they might surprise you with, you know, all of a sudden that they come out of nowhere with some, you know, some Trump support, uh, you know, uh, arguments. And and he kind of said the same thing. He said, I believe he was saying using the Socratic method of, yep. of uh, trying to lead to the logical fallacies. So when we talk about positive outcomes with family members, you feel that, that 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 Socratic method is the best way to reach them? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can see me using that in my videos a lot, just asking simple questions that plant that seed of doubt. Because if someone says their opinion, you can launch into a two-minute tirade about why they're wrong, and you can start a whole debate, or you can just ask a simple, concise question that really gets to the bottom of it. And it's not always going to be successful. I mean, some family members are too far gone, of course, but it's a slow process of deprogramming the cult yeah Yeah. and and i think this is super important because right now we live in this really polarized country specifically this year we're going in the election um you know even even on the left we're a little bit polarized with you know you've got these people that want to see the debates and you got people that are saying no biden's an incumbent so you, you know even within the parties now specifically on the right i think the right is extremely fractured you know i think that you have your, your everyday conservatives but then you also have you know your your right far right wing you have your trump supporters and then mm-hmm. your q trump supporters uh so i think that you know right now with where we're at it's very important to have these conversations in, in a productive way yeah. and you, you know speaking of families uh i have a friend who ended up actually getting divorced because of his wife's involvement with QAnon. um yeah. you know she had the whole full spiel of he was shedding his vaccine on her and she even went as far as to say you know like he was gonna end up dying in five years wow. and she also claimed the sun was cold that was different too yeah that's what, that's there's always a new one right yeah. um <laughs> so, you know, I actually feel like people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, Donald Trump, um, specific hardcore right wing, far, far right wing people are, are, are really taking advantage of these people. And so 
I think what you're doing is actually great. You're having a lot of empathy for these people. You're, mm-hmm. you're, you're trying to help the people that maybe are, are still on that edge of wanting to be helped. As far as like the polarization goes, though, uh, I myself am a Biden uh, uh, fan. I think that he's done amazing things. I think uh, as far as we look at into his uh, Infrastructure Act, his, uh, his uh, Chips and Science Act, we look at, you know, just to be honest, the, the fact that he stayed away from the controversy of Donald Trump. Um, but as a young person, I think that we see a little bit of different uh, a feeling going on nowadays. Do you feel like Joe Biden has done a good job? And do you think that if he gets uh, the nomination, do you think he has a chance against Trump? I personally think Joe Biden has done a stellar job. Of course, he got in with a 50-50 split Senate and was able to pass historic historic legislation. You named some of it, the infrastructure bill. But yeah, um, my generation, like broadly speaking, will a lot of times not like Joe Biden for one reason or another. We have a huge wing that is anti-establishment for whatever reason, and they'll just reject anything Joe Biden says. Of course, there's a very fierce pro-Palestine movement who calls him Genocide Joe. And there's also, I mean, we still do vote overwhelmingly blue. We still do vote Democrat a lot and hold a lot of progressive values when it comes to gay marriage. But I do think this anti-establishment wing of my generation will reject Biden, unfortunately. Do I think he'll win in 2024? Yeah, I think the, I think the chances are looking really good. I think my generation will turn out as much as they need to. I think old people love Joe Biden, which is something that I found on the field. Um, I mean, a lot of old people go to Trump rallies, but we'll see counter protesters and they're just old people. They probably sympathize with Joe Biden a lot because um, Joe Biden's old and he's just very popular among elderly people. And I think even independence is the main thing. Independents are going to win the election for Biden. Because, number one, if Trump is convicted on one charge, he's going to drop like 10, 20 points among independents. Uh, number two, I'm pretty sure January 6th in and of itself is just is a deal breaker for a lot of independents. So I think Joe Biden will win. Yeah. Yeah. So and, and to be honest, when we talk about, you know, Hillary's run against uh, Donald Trump, that was what swung the vote. Right. You know, you had your people that were willing to vote for Jill Stein that were maybe a little bit more of the, you know, the younger generation that want to see change, less establishment. And then, you know, uh, specifically some comments that she made that just were they were just, you know, tactically a bad, bad look. And, and mm-hmm. that really swung independent voters over to uh, the other side. And I've even said this before, when it comes to Trump, if you watch Trump's last ad, his last ad right before the campaign ended and we, we went to the polls, it was a really well done ad. I mean, he talked about America first. He talked about, you know, bringing steel back. He, you know, he, he really said the things, uh, you know, obviously in a very well edited video uh, that, uh, that I think America wanted to hear. And I Mm -hmm. even said during that time that I thought that like, I understood, you know, Uh, I wouldn't vote for Donald Trump, but I understood why people did, you know? And so uh, it's good to hear from you, a young person that, you know, you are looking at Joe Biden as, as being, you know, a successful president, because we really seem to be at a place with, uh, with people that they're, they're so concerned about the age factor and they're not, concerned about what he's done what his legislation has done yeah well i think joe biden's experience in washington is actually a reason that he's so effective and he's 10 times a negotiator donald trump will ever be 
Uh, like I said, he got in with historically divided Senate. He was able to pass a lot of legislation. And this is because he was able to reach across the aisle and pass things like the Bipartisan Infrastructure Act. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it. Yeah, I mean, Donald Trump could never do that. He was so divisive that he had nicknames for people in the other party and nicknames for people in his party. So it's like, I don't know how you expect someone like that to ever get anything passed. Yeah, and, and you look at all the kind of stuff that that he does as far as that, and it really kind of gives you the idea of the fantasy land that the people that really really support him, you know, do. Uh, when you talk about QAnon, that's a whole different story. But uh, when you talk about just his regular Trump supporters, mm-hmm. and you you kind of point out, you know, what do you just said, what you just said about the nickname thing, right? It's like you point out to people, hey, well, you know, here's this guy who says that he only was going to employ the best people ever, and then has given every one of these people a derogatory nickname after they have left has done nothing yep. but demean them after they left. And you explain this to these people and I'm sure you have, uh, and yet they seem to be able to have like a cognitive dissonance, you know, mm-hmm. and, and they keep away from it. Uh, somehow they, they do the mental gymnastics to still make it like no problem. It really doesn't matter that he did that. He actually still had a really good cabinet. <laughs> yeah. It's very strange, very strange. Well, with everything going forward from here, because this is a really polarized election, but I also think that we, we live during a time of like great change, like a real paradigm shift, right? Things are changing. Uh, I think that younger people are seeing more and more right now that the government should be more responsible for for the citizenry, like that, that we've paid our taxes. Uh, I have two young kids. They want to know why they have to work, you know, 40 hours a week or why I have to work 40 hours a week and I don't have more time with them. Uh, We have LGBT rights. We've got an obvious gun violence problem that seems almost incapable of being solved through the type of legislation that's being passed nowadays. And that's not to mention, you know, growing economic divide and, and climate change. With that all being said, I think that we're seeing young people become more progressive and specifically more socialist mm-hmm. in your generation. Do you see that? Yeah. yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Do you think that young people that are more progressive or, or even socialists are a little bit too progressive? Like they, they, they want to see these things so badly that they want to say, remove somebody like Joe Biden, get somebody like Marianne Williamson through the door and, you know, do you think there's a such thing as being a little pr- too progressive? I understand when progressives are disillusioned with our institutions, but I think when you start to become so disillusioned that you refuse to vote or refuse to even participate or you start to cede all of this ground, that's when it becomes harmful, right? So it starts to become a self-fulfilling prophecy at some point when you say, like, these institutions don't work, so I'm not going to participate. And then, of course, you're not represented in those institutions and you wonder why they're not working for you. So I think when you're so progressive, like how many socialists are actually in Congress? Maybe Bernie Sanders, arguably. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's like it's like socialists wonder why they're not represented in Congress and then they don't vote. And then it becomes this feedback loop where they cede all of this power to right wingers. And it's like, if you just participate, if you say, okay, we'll get a liberal candidate in and then that liberal candidate will eventually endorse the socialist candidate, blah, blah, blah. You can eventually build a big coalition, a broad coalition of people. But yeah, I mean, young people are so disillusioned that they're starting to 
seed power, seed ground. And that's scary. And that's something that I've been trying to highlight with my generation is that like, hey, someday we're going to take over the institutions. And when that happens, we want to make sure that we're in a spot to to make change. We want to make sure that we're molding them now so that we're in a spot to make change down the road. Nice. Yeah. And, and I think, uh, have you ever read George Orwell? Have you ever read 1984 or Animal Farm? We read it in school, but uh, I was like half paying attention. Well, you know, he's a democratic socialist. And mm -hmm. this is something that like when you get into these discussions with uh, people like Trump supporters is really funny. This is specifically certain people that are related to me. Um, <laughs> uh, you know that, oh, this person's a socialist or this person's a communist. They ask them what that means, you know, and they can't really explain mm -hmm. what that means. You know, what is communism or what is socialism? And, and they just, you know, it's a bad thing. That's what it is to them. And I look at something like democratic socialism because there's so many different types of socialism that democratic socialism is a really good way of doing exactly what you just talked about. And that is if you really feel that something is wrong with the establishment, if you look at what Biden is doing and you don't like what he's doing over in Israel, um, first of all, I'd like to say, if you don't like what he's doing, imagine what Trump would be doing. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, I mean, Trump wants to deport pro-Palestine protesters and like, what was the other one? I mean, reenact the Muslim ban, which is Biden took the Muslim ban away. Just night and day difference. Yeah. I, I mean, it's absolutely insane to think that the, these are things that we want to do to uh, make a country less divided. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I, th I think what you're saying, you know, w when you're saying that these guys need to vote, it's it's as a person to look towards people should look towards somebody like George Orwell and, and the way he was he was thinking about socialism. And that is mm -hmm. a democratic socialism works from within the system instead of fighting against the system. It says democracy is a good thing, but we should be trying to take care of people. We should be making sure people have equal rights. We should be ma making sure that, you know, if, if UBI is something that we can look into, then we should look into it, you yeah. know? So I, I would like to see more young people like yourself getting involved in uh, understanding that it's not, you don't have to put boundaries on yourself. You don't have to say, I'm a socialist, so I do this. No, think outside the box. Think of different ways to, to get away from that. So so who's somebody that you look at, though? Who who do you think, like uh, uh, Gavin Newsom, Michelle Obama, who's somebody that you look at that you think would be a great president for, for your generation? I've always liked Pete Buttigieg because he's also from Indiana. I thought he had a good run, um, but he's still a little bit young. I think someday he'll make a great candidate. Um, again, Gretchen Whitmer is pretty charismatic. I think she could do well on the national stage. And I think I like Jared Polis. I don't know if he'll ever make a national run, but there's a lot of, he's the governor of Colorado. I know there's a lot of, uh, I know there's a lot of rising democratic stars right now. And yeah, a lot of them will make great, great national runs. We're going to have some great primaries coming up. I can't wait to cover them on the ground and meet some of these people. I mean, that's my goal is to be in the position like next election or even by the midterms to be interviewing these candidates, giving them a platform and pushing back. That would be amazing. That is my goal. Uh, so there are so many rising stars in the party right now that I think we'll be meeting over the next decade. I mean, we didn't even know who Obama was until like a few years before the election i mean well he gave a speech at the 2004 dnc but like he wasn't even in the talks to be the 
president of the United States until like 2006. And then out of nowhere, he comes and boom, sweeps away Hillary's spot. So who knows what will happen in 2028? Yeah. What do you think about uh, Jamie Raskin? Um, I like the clips that I see of him. I don't know a lot. Has he, is he in talks to make a national run eventually? Nah. <laughs> uh, I just I like seeing the stuff that uh, that that he's doing up there. He yeah, just seems I, like he's so sharp. Oh yeah, I see him all over my Twitter feed. He's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really enjoy him. Uh, being from California, I stand a little bit for uh, Katie Porter too. I like her. Uh, oh yeah, her her talks on uh, on gun violence and and some of the uh, the discussions she's had with the NRA members and stuff. I really like the way that she uh, she handles those people. She reminds me of the really sweet high school teachers I had who were great at teaching. Like, doesn't she do the whole, like, whiteboard thing, too, yeah, where she, she brings in a board? Yeah, she reminds me a lot of my teachers. She played Jeopardy with them. Oh, it was yeah. amazing. You should look at that clip if you haven't seen that. She plays Jeopardy with a, a couple of NRA guys, mm. and it's just absolutely amazing. Um, well, that's good. And so you're going to – that's what you're looking forward to. That's what uh, your future is looking like. Are you trying to do like a, a podcast interview type of thing with a congressman or? Um, well, as far as like more legitimate shows, I just set this up behind me like today. And like I said, this is my first time using this mic. I'm going to start doing more sit down stuff for my YouTube channel where I commentate over my clips. But yeah, I eventually want to transition from just talking to, to crazy people and talking to random Trump supporters, which I do think is important because a lot of times I do meet people that are on the edge. Like the other day, I convinced someone that climate change was real. There was this really sweet woman who was, I don't know, probably 30. I think she had some kids and she was like, I just don't know the climate change agenda, blah, blah. And then I was showing her like there are these charts that directly show as humans produce more like um, carbon dioxide as we like emit this into the air, right? That the the atmosphere gets hotter, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, you know what? This does make a lot more sense. I do remember, blah, blah, blah. So it's like, I think it is worth talking to these random people, but eventually I'd like to talk to more legitimate legitimate figures. Like Vivek Ramaswamy, I worked really hard trying to set up a talk with him, but I only got like a few questions. And eventually it'll be fun. I'll have to work my way up. Like Laura Loomer, maybe I'll talk to someone like that soon. And then that'll turn into a, I don't know, like Marjorie or someone like that would be great to, to eventually talk with in person and build a chemistry with. Awesome. And I, and I like that you're talking about people across the aisle, because I, this is something I do with politicians. When they come on, I always ask them who's two people that you would, would like to work with across the aisle. And I think that almost always catches them off guard because mm-hmm. I don't think that that's what they, they think people want. I mm-hmm. think they think of us on the left as being, we're left and we don't care what's going on on the right. We only want, but that's not who I am. I keep saying this is that I don't like definitions. I don't like when people ask me, are you progressive? Because I have progressive values, but I also have, uh, you know, values outside of being a progressive. And what you see in like the comment section, a lot of times is people saying things, Oh, you're progressive. So you think X. Yeah. Well, that's not true actually. You know, I, I come from a very uh, different background than 99% of people, uh, you know. So when you ask me what my values are, those are all built off of my life experience. It's not yeah. built off of wanting to, you know, be, you know, on the left. It's It's got a lot more to do with that. So I like to hear that you're saying that about meeting, oh, Laura Loomer. Have you seen the Luke Beasley Laura Loomer? You know yeah, I watched that. That was good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I really like Luke. Uh, and and I think that for both of you guys, I think I saw this in one of your videos uh, recently that you were saying uh, the 
you were going to these things and they're starting to recognize you. Is that mm-hmm. happening a lot more now? Yeah, yeah. I mean, in Iowa specifically, because we kind of like made a name in Iowa after hitting like 15 rallies and seeing all the same people, we'd eventually see someone for the seventh time. They're like, all right, these are the liberal dudes. And like, they're kind of sick of us. Yeah. And, and, you know, Luke just recently had something like that, too, where he showed up at a rally and people were pulling people away from him. Yeah, he told me that. Yeah, he was telling me. Yeah. And and that's uh, I mean. I think that what you're saying is kind of going along the same thing what Luke's uh, saying too is that it's probably going to turn into something where you guys are going to probably be it's great what you're doing out there on the road and somebody mm-hmm. does need to do that but hopefully some new blood will come behind you and, and start to do these types of interviews and, and keep that rolling while you guys can move into like more of a commentary. Yeah, well, I just started doing the interviews like six months ago, so I don't think I'm anywhere near done. But like, I do, <laughs> I do hope that um. Yeah, I do hope that I am able to transition into something with more like stability or like because I can't just keep relying on Trump rallies to hit, even though I have all this content. But I do hope I have a long career on the field because I really do love doing it. I'm so addicted. Like I was in New Hampshire a few days ago and I I couldn't decide whether I wanted to fly out there last minute. And I ended up doing it just because of how addicted I am to being on the field and talking to people. Um so I hope I am able to next election and the election after that talk to, but I hope I'm able to do it at a higher and higher level. So in 2028, I hope I'm talking to all the candidates, if that makes sense. Getting your foot through the door seems to be the most difficult part because once you actually start to uh, make connections in the field, yeah. that kind of leads to the next person, right? It's, yeah, it's, it's, that's how it does work. And it's, at first, it's all about just cold emailing and knowing that you'll have like a 98% fail rate and like most people will respond. But then, yeah, once you meet that one person, they introduce you to someone else and someone else. Cool. Awesome. If you enjoyed that conversation, you might want to check out this interview I did with John Padora, who is running for Congress in Colorado against Lauren Boebert. And if you want to see more of the amazing Adam Mockler, you can catch him on Instagram, YouTube, and X. And remember... Get educated and get out and vote.